Thanks for watching today. I pray that today's message will empower you to use your voice, help change the way that you think, and energize your faith. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on the On Demand page for walkingbyfaith.tv or check out our app. Today's part two of the Scarlet Lion entitled, Not Without Blood. We'll be learning all about the Ark of the Covenant and the blood that is placed upon the mercy seat. Let's check it out. We are in a series talking about the blood of Jesus. So I want to start today with Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 7. It says, but into the second part, the high priest went alone once a year. Now, this is the holiest of holies. This is where the Ark of the Covenant is. This is literally where God's tangible presence is. And he goes in only once a year, not without blood. Not without blood. And uh, the title of today's message is simply, Not Without Blood. Romans 3.25, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation, a sacrifice, or a mercy seat through faith in his blood. Uh, faith is dependent on knowledge. You, you cannot believe for what you don't know about. And so what we're doing in this series is we're simply talking about what the blood of Jesus does for us so that we can put our faith in that blood. And the Bible says that's how he becomes our sacrifice or our mercy seat is when we put our faith in his blood. And it's in Leviticus 17, 11, where it says, for the blood, for it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. It's the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. Now, I think it's interesting that just this week was the day of atonement. For the Jewish people, Wednesday was the day of atonement. Comes around just once a year. Now, since 70 AD, when the temple was destroyed, they have been unable to fulfill the Day of Atonement. Uh, most of you know that today there is a lot of talk in Israel about rebuilding the temple, the third temple, right up on the Temple Mount. Uh, you can go to the Temple Institute and you can see uh, the altar. You can see the candelabra. You can see the table of showbread, solid gold, sitting there. And uh, they're all, they're, they are so ready to go back in and to reinitiate all of those sacrifices. But what we see when we get to the New Testament, that all of those were a picture, a type or a shadow of Jesus coming and his putting his blood on a mercy seat that is in heaven. Now, Leviticus 16, 2, God said to Moses, tell Aaron and his brothers not to come in just any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat, which is on the ark. Least he die, for I will appear in a cloud above the mercy seat. And then Exodus 25, and there I will meet with you, and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat between the two cherubims that are on the ark of the testament. Now, if, any, if you've ever read the entire Bible, there is a portion of the Bible where Moses goes up on a mountain and God tells him, I'm going to give you some instructions to make a tabernacle and make it exactly the way I tell you. And by the way, it's exactly the way I tell you because it is a copy, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, 
of a tabernacle that God has in heaven. So Moses goes up and God gives him intricate details. In chapter after chapter after chapter, it's talking about the curtains and it's talking about the rods and about the loops and how they're silver and how they're blue. And you read it and you read it and you read it. And this is what happens. You go, ah! Because it is like driving you crazy. Right? And you're like, what is this all about? It's all about a box. Literally, it is all about a box. It's, it's, it's made of a, a certain type of wood that's found in desert regions and covered with pure gold with angels on top. Two of them facing each other. Their wings are spread out. Right? And God said, on the top of that box is the mercy seat. He said, and under those angels' wings, that's where I'm going to meet with you. That's where my presence will be. Right? Now, you know that that, that ark, it has a lid. Right? That top opens. And all of you know never to open it, right? Because you've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. And you know what happens if you open it. I mean, like, you are in big trouble. But let me just say this. There is not the well of souls inside. What is inside are two tablets that God wrote with his own hand. He wrote on them. The Bible says he's with his own finger, he wrote. Uh, we call them the Ten Commandments. Right? They're inside. Now, now I, I did want to ask, is there anybody here that has broken even one of those Ten Commandments? All right, we're, we're, all, we're all in. Okay. So inside, we got all these commandments that you and I have broken. There is a mercy seat, and once a year, the priest goes in, never without blood. And he sprinkles that blood on the mercy seat seven times. That's the day of atonement. Now that blood, right above that blood is God's presence. And right under that, that mercy seat are the commandments that you and I broke. And what is in between God's holy presence and the commandments that we broke? blood a mercy seat that is covered with blood and literally that is the place where God said I'll meet with you right? now on that day of atonement it's found in Leviticus 16 it says thus Aaron shall come into the holy place with the blood of a young bull as a sin offering and a ram as a burnt offering right? again in Hebrews it talks about it it says once a year not without blood, which he offered for himself and the sins of the, the people had committed in ignorance. And the Holy Spirit indicating that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was standing. They had to come back again and again because the blood of a goat or a calf could never take away sin. But what Jesus did was different. See? He shed his own blood, which was able to take away sin. Now, when the priest would go in, he would be in his, his priestly garments. And on the bottom of those garments, in fact, there's 50 pomegranates and there's 50 bells. So whenever he's walking, there's this little bell that's going ding, 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 ding. That way they knew if he died, the bell stopped. Right? 
And then they had to find somebody who would go in and bring him out, which nobody wanted to do. So the, the tradition says that they took a rope and they put it around his, his leg so that if the bell stopped, they could just pull him out. Because nobody wanted to go in where the presence of God was without an invitation. So the pomegranate is there and the bell is there. Now, by the way, the pomegranate represents the fruit of the Spirit. But the bell represents the gifts of the Spirit. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, Paul said, Though I speak to you in the tongues of men and angels, if I don't have love, I'm become a sounding brass or bell and a clanging cymbal. He's saying the gifts, they're great, but we, don't, we should not have the gifts without the fruit, and we shouldn't have the fruit without the gifts. There's an equal number of bells and pomegranates. Some people say, should we seek God's face or should we seek his hand? Well, we should seek his face and we should seek his hand. We should do both. In fact, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, it says, pursue love, that's his face, and desire spiritual gifts, that's the bell. We're supposed to have, do both. We're supposed to seek his face, but we're supposed to also seek the gifts that come with him, desire spiritual gifts. Leviticus 16, 14 then says, And he shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the mercy seat on the east side and before the mercy seat. He shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. And then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering, which is for the people, and bring the blood out, bring the blood inside the veil. Now, it's really interesting that there are two goats, right? One goat is killed, and he's killed for the sins of the people. But there is a second goat that's referred to as the scapegoat, right? And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel. So when he lays his hands on that goat and he's confessing all of their sins, again, this goat has been inspected. This goat is an acceptable sacrifice. And he's confessing anger and pride and envy and greed and lust and wrath and rape and murder and malice and idolatry, uh, rage, abortion, witchcraft. Uh, you, you name the sin, right? Any type of perversity. He's naming all of the sins and laying his hands on that goat. Now, the reason there's two goats, by the way, is because everything that Jesus did, we couldn't see in just one goat. Because the first goat dies, and his blood ends up on the mercy seat. But how many of you realize that when Jesus died, he had some things to do yet? He still had a few things he was going to do. And so we have the second goat, and they confess all the sins. And let me remind you that when you came to the priest with a sin offering, he would inspect your offering. And if the offering was acceptable, then you were accepted. You were accepted based on your offering, not based on your behavior. So the second, the second goat, he lays his hands on that goat. He's confessing the iniquities and the transgressions. And then it says, It shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand 
of a suitable man. So they take the scapegoat and they take it way out in the wilderness and they leave it. Right? Now you say, why? Because when Jesus died, how many of you know that there was something he was still going to do? There were some things the Bible tells us he's going to do. In fact, how many remember the Apostles' Creed? Eight of you. I better teach on the Apostles' Creed again. Right? But it says he descended into hell. He descended into hell. Acts chapter 2 says, Whom God raised up, having loosed from the pangs or the torments of death. Having loosed from the pangs or the torments of death. In other words, something happened between the cross and the throne. Right? He died. He descended. Now, if you look in Luke chapter 16, you'll find Jesus tells us what happens when somebody dies. He says there's two places that a person could go. One was a place of torment. We call it Hades. And by the way, Hades is not hell. But Hades is kind of like somebody who ends up in, in jail. Then they see a judge, and then they end up in prison. How many of you know jail is a light, light prison, but there's, it's not quite the same? These people are waiting for judgment day. And they're in this place the Bible refers to as Hades. But across this great chasm, those even in Hades could see, and there was another place the Bible refers to as paradise or having a place next to Abraham or Abraham's bosom. And it was a place of, of comfort. Right? But Jesus didn't descend immediately to that place of comfort. He went to that place of the pangs or the torments of death. And it's interesting what happens there. The Bible says this in the book of Peter. By whom also he went and preached, literally proclaimed, to the spirits in prison, people that have died, who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared. So in this place of torment are the disobedient people that were there when Noah was preparing the ark. For a hundred, it took Noah 100 years to build the ark. God spoke to him on his, when he was 500 years old. And he went in the ark when he was 600 years old. I mean, that's 100 years. And the Bible says the whole time he's a preacher of righteousness. He's preaching, he's preaching, he's preaching, he's preaching. Repent, repent, get right with God, get right with God. And the people think he's crazy. Nobody, nobody listens. Right? He's that preacher of righteousness. Right? And those people are destroyed in the flood. And now they're in this place of torment. But Jesus was there. And the Bible says that he proclaimed to them. They had been disobedient, and he proclaimed to them. He said something similar to this. You heard that the, the chosen one, the substitute, the Messiah, the Lamb of God was going to come. The seed of the woman was going to come. You heard, and it has happened. It happened. And I have died, and I have shed my blood, and I have paid for the sin of humanity. He told them what happened. And then exactly when, we aren't sure. But somehow he crossed over. But before he crossed over, it appears that he met the devil face to face. Because Revelation 1.18 says this. It says, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of Hades and of death. 
He said, I've got the keys. The devil had the power of death, but when Jesus came up from the dead, he had the keys. He was victorious. He had taken the devil, knocked him down, put his, head, his, his foot on his head, and the Bible said he would crush his head. That's what he did. See, so they had to have more than just one goat. One showed his death, but the other showed that he took the sins of humanity. He took them apart, and there was something that happened between the cross and the throne. Now, it's on that day. After the, the priest would put the blood on that mercy seat, and he came out, and the sins of the people were atoned for, the Bible says, you will cause the trumpet of jubilee to sound on the 10th day of the seventh month. Now, on the day of atonement, you shall make the trumpet sound throughout all your land. Now, by the way, the, the, the time of the jubilee on the day of atonement was actually referred to as the acceptable day of the Lord. But the trumpet never sounded until the blood was put on the mercy seat. And when the priest came out, they sounded the trumpet. And what it meant was this. Number one, every debt that you had was canceled the moment you heard that sound. Anything that you had sold, any of your land you had sold, was returned to you and became your property again the moment you heard that sound. Every slave was emancipated the moment they heard that sound. Once the blood had been put on the mercy seat and the trumpet was sounded, it was jubilee, debts were forgiven, what you had sold and lost was returned, and every slave was set free. Now, here's what's interesting. Jesus, in Luke chapter 4, goes to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. And he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as his custom was, and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it's written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He's literally saying, I'm here to tell you that jubilee is now. That that jubilee that they had in the Old Testament, it was just a type and a shadow of what was going to happen when the Messiah would come. He's saying now, just like in the Old Testament, debts are canceled, slaves are fret free, land is returned. In the true jubilee, Jesus said this. He said, the gospel is preached to the poor, the brokenhearted are, 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 are healed, the, the captives receive liberty, the blind receive sight, and there is liberty and freedom for those who are oppressed and who are bound. So bondages are broken, Addicts are set free. Drug addicts, alcoholics are set free. People are delivered from porn, from depression, from grief, from guilt, from anxiety, from dread. And there's healing, there's peace, there's favor, there's right standing with God. Jesus said that's what he came to proclaim. He said, and today, 
He said, today that scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. 1 Peter 1, verse 18. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, from the aimless conduct or the lifestyle received by the traditions of your fathers. But you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without spot and without blemish. So the Bible says God redeemed you. He literally, he purchased you from your fallen state. He purchased me from my fallen state. Now, the Bible calls Jesus' blood the precious blood. And let me just read you one scripture, and I just want to say a couple things about that blood. It said, therefore, take heed to yourself and all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. To shepherd the church of God, listen, which he purchased with his own blood. The Bible calls Jesus' blood precious blood. Because it is the blood of God. It says you were purchased with God's own blood. The power of blood is in the worth of the life. The life of the flesh is in the the blood. And the value, the worth of the blood is in the worth of the life. In Jesus' blood was the power of divine life dwelling and working. And that's why the Bible calls his blood the precious blood. The blood of goats and bulls couldn't take away sin, but your blood and my blood could not take away sin either because our blood was not the same as his blood. His blood was literally the blood of God, and he purchased you with his own blood blood Hebrews 13 20 now may the God of peace who brought our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant with the blood of bulls and goats every year the high priest had to go back and it was just reminding the people the blood and bulls of goats it really can't take away my sin But what Jesus did, he did, the Bible says, once for all. And what he did is he established an everlasting or an eternal covenant. It's not temporary. It is for all of eternity. And I don't know about you, but that blesses my soul. Now, literally, the word word blessed, we use it a lot. You know, God bless you. Right? Yo, I'm so blessed. That's often I say to somebody, oh, I'm, I'm blessed, brother, I'm blessed. And, I, and it's true. All right? uh, the older the dictionary, the better, you, the better the definition will be. But it will say something similar to this. Marked with blood to consecrate with blood or because of blood. And literally, when you say I'm blessed, you're saying I have everything, I have this condition because of blood. I am here because of blood. Now, when you say, I'm blessed, you're saying, because of blood, this is where I stand. It's not because of your works. It's because of blood. It's because Jesus put his blood on the mercy seat. 
Some older, older dictionaries actually give the example of the high priest going in and putting the blood on the mercy seat in the Day of Atonement. Right? Everything that you and I have that's good, it is blood-bought. The priest could never go in without blood. And you can never be blessed without blood. In fact, the, the Bible tells us what it was like to go to church with Moses. I just love this, okay? It, says this the, it tells us both in the Old Testament and again in the book of Hebrews. But if you went to church with Moses, the Bible says that Moses took blood. He took blood, and he said that he sprinkled all of the vessels inside of the tabernacle. So whether it's where the incense is burned or the candelabra or whether it's the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the altar, no matter what it is, everything gets covered with blood. And then it says that Moses took blood. And it says that he sprinkled all of the people. So front row, balcony, blood. You got blood. So you never wore white to church because you knew when I'm at church, I'm going to get some blood. Right? And then it says Moses took blood. Right? And he went over and he sprinkled the book. That was the part of the Bible that they had. And you say, why did he do that? Because it is a blood book on a blood covenant. And by the way, the Bible tells us in the New Testament that we have a better covenant based on better promises. And let me tell you, the blood is better than the blood of bulls and goats and calves because God purchased you with his own blood. With his own blood. And the power of the blood is in the worth of the life. That's why only his blood could redeem you and me. Right? That's why the Bible is so exclusive instead of inclusive. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's about to be betrayed, go to the cross, and shed his blood. And he says, God, if there is another way, if there is another way to redeem people, if there is another way for people to get right with you, please do that. But not my will, but your will be done. The reason that Jesus had to go to the cross to redeem you was because there was no other way than the blood of Jesus, the blood of God. And I know today that's very unpopular, right? Everybody says we need to be inclusive. No, the Bible is very exclusive. The Bible says, well, Jesus said it, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. One... One, one more thought as we close. In 1 Peter 1 and 18, we just read it. You weren't redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct or the traditions of your fathers, right? but with the precious blood of Christ. 
Now notice, nothing corruptible, nothing of this world could redeem you. Right? Anything that is corruptible, anything that can be destroyed, it can't redeem you. Silver and gold, the blood of a goat or a calf, even the blood of some other person could not redeem you. But it took the precious blood of Jesus. It took God's own blood to redeem you. And as a result, you no longer belong to this world or to yourself. You and I belong to God. We belong to God. And the Bible says that now you are the temple of the living God. You're the temple. God himself, through the Holy Spirit, comes and lives on the inside of you. Now, the Bible says this in Romans 10, 13. It says, whosoever, that means you, will call on the Lord, that's what I want to do with you right now, will be saved. So if you're away from God, you're not right with God, you don't know you're forgiven, you don't know you're on your way to heaven, I want to pray this prayer with you. And if you will pray this from your heart, you will be that whosoever will call on the name of the Lord. And the Bible says you'll be saved, you'll be forgiven, you're going to be right with God. So I want you to make these words your own. Just simply say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe that his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again. I believe he's coming again. I receive the forgiveness that Jesus purchased for me. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. I thank you. You've heard my prayer. I thank you. I am forgiven, a part of your family today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, God heard that prayer. If you prayed that prayer from your heart, and you really have, you've received the forgiveness Jesus purchased for you. You're a part of his family. But as a new Christian, a newborn, the Bible literally says a newborn babe, we need to keep growing spiritually. And I've written a book to help you keep growing spiritually. And I want to give it to you free of charge. It's called Your New Life. It's a short book full of bullet points to help you keep on growing, keep on walking by faith. All you need to do is get online, download it absolutely free, and I know it's going to bless you. Thank you, and God bless If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you're making one of the best decisions of your life. Just as Pastor had said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and request a copy of this book to be mailed to you or download it right there instantly. Either way, it's absolutely free and it's a great resource for you to have. Today's program is available on Roku and Amazon Fire TV by searching Walking by Faith. Or you can check it out on our app where you can download any messages for easy offline listening. Walking by Faith is used to change lives all around the world, on and off the air. We would love for you to partner with us and help make a difference in the lives of others by logging on to walkingbyfaith.tv give. If you are in need of prayer or God is doing something amazing in your life, we want to connect with you. Contact us by phone, email, or through our app. You can also find us on your favorite social media platform by searching WBF TV. Next week, we'll be taking a look at the cross and the blood. We'll see you then.